0: Hi, I'm Kat. And I'm Emma. If you love the Dead Prank podcast, you can help support its future using the ACAST supporter feature.
1: Now it's up to you how much you give and there is no regular commitment. So if you can and you want to, please do hit the link in the show description to support now. Thank you. Thank you.
0: Hi, guys, I'm Kat. And I'm Emma. Thank you for joining us and welcome back to the Dead Parent Club podcast.
1: Each week, we're going to be talking about what it's like to be members of the Dead Parent Club and chatting to brilliant guests about their grieving journeys.
0: We'll also be hearing from people far more qualified than us that can give you some top advice on navigating this new normal.
1: So strap yourselves in and welcome to the Dead Parent Club.
0: And today, we are joined by someone who will be covering an extremely important and potentially daunting step in your grieving journey the funeral.
1: Yes, Lee Solomon, a funeral director from Lily's Funerals, is on to give a guide on everything to do with funerals, the dreaded word. Hi, Lee, and welcome to the podcast. Hi, thank you for having me. Thank you for joining us and especially for looking very smartly. Have you dressed up for us or for work? (laughs)
2: <laughs> uh, I'd love to say it's for you, Emma and Kat, but unfortunately
1: it was work. Oh, it well, very you very smart all the time. Do you know <laughs> what? You've it, it, you stayed in the outfit. You could have got yeah. your pyjamas. That's what I would have done if I was I doing have. a podcast from home. So <laughs> thank you very much. For anyone who's just listening to this, Lee is wearing a waistcoat tie and a white shirt looking very smart. <laughs> so Lee, I guess the first place to start is, what does a day in the life of a funeral director look like?
2: Uh, wow. Uh, where do I start with that? It could be anything. So... A family could call us out to bring one of their loved ones into our care. Um, I could be washing and dressing uh, one of our residents for a family coming in to view them in the chapel of rest, or I could be doing endless amounts of paperwork either for funerals or for the business related. Yeah, it it could be absolutely anything and it changes day to day.
0: Two things I just wanna point out there that I find really interesting. One is the kind of way that you say, bringing their loved ones into your care, two is calling them residents. I find that such such an interesting terminology. I think because of are doing this podcast, we're quite like bringing the dead parent into the funeral home. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, yeah,
1: you're right. But your language is very much as though, very soft. yes, very gentle. Is that part of the job that you are? Does, are you taught that or does that just come naturally with time? Do you know, I,
2: I'd love to say I've been taught it, but um previous to uh, setting up Lily's, I was never in the funeral industry. Uh, my background's marketing and business development. Wow. So wow. it's it's just the um the ethos that we have at Lily's.
1: What made you go from marketing? It's the big question. Yeah. It's the one on <laughs> everybody's lips yeah. right now. Yeah. <laughs> what, what what was the decision making behind that? I,
2: I could go on a very long story on this, but I'll keep it mm. short for you. Um my my best friend who I've known my whole life grew up on the same street and everything he went into the funeral industry uh, from 16 and we kept in touch and when we was 21 we said if we ever get the opportunity let's open up a funeral home together he I suppose can... it's not
0: it's not a dying business is it yeah <laughs> hey! Just and, hey! Hey there. <laughs> <laughs> and
2: he he went into the funeral industry from 16 and when we was 21 yeah we said we'll open up a funeral home together i'll do marketing and business side he head up the funeral side Um, and we got the chance when we were 26 Mm. and yeah we opened up and because there was only two of us we had to do everything ourselves so i quickly was doing everything funeral side as well
0: one thing i was thinking actually before this is is an undertaker and a funeral home are they the same the same thing so when you have the undertakers come to the home is that that so are you the
1: person that would come to a home and collect a body yes yeah. Wow! Wow! Uh, do you know what, Lee? Right, Kat, you'll have all these questions. You listening right now? Even if you think you wouldn't ask these questions, you'll definitely be thinking them. Mm. Right. First thing: Were you scared? Were mm. you ever scared when you first got into it? Because I would not like to be around a load of dead bodies.
2: Yeah. So this is people are so shocked. We had signed the contract on the lease for the property before I'd ever seen a dead body before.
0: Wow!
2: So I didn't know uh, how i was going to actually be when yeah. i saw my first deceased and i remember the gentleman the first deceased that i looked after my first act was giving him a shave and the biggest thing for me that shocked me it was not that they weren't moving or just looked asleep it was the temperature mm. so as soon as i touched Very um the deceased he was so cold and it was just not it was something that I wasn't expecting, so and that's one of the main things now because I remember that experience so vividly. When families come in to see their loved one in in our chapel of rest, it's one of the things that I point out. Say if you do want to hold your loved one's hand, I will warn you it will be cold, and I don't, I just don't need to shocked. be scared or shocked just to try and reassure them. And it, it was something that
0: it was something I noticed very quickly after my mum died. Within minutes, like she felt cold to touch. And it's so funny. I think of the undertakers, I not if I say funny, I mean it wasn't. I <laughs> think the undertakers come into the house. And it, like from my perspective, it's like a whirlwind of like somebody dies, call number, half an hour later, undertakers are in house, bodies in bag outside of house. Like mm. it seems very like sterile and like not personal, but obviously your job at that point isn't to go in and be like, Hey guys, and start having a conversation. Like what was it like for you the first time that you went and went to somebody's home where somebody had just passed and that, all those emotions.
2: It was hard to, you just want to hug them Mm -hmm. and you want to sit down with them. To To be honest you want to try and bring them back to life. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's You want to do as much as you can because it's a horrific time for them. Um, but fortunately for me, I was with Nathan who had had 10, 11 years of training, who was mm-hmm. such an amazing professional, talked the families through every single step that what we were going to do and then the next steps what they had to do um, and that we would call them as soon uh, as, soon as uh, their loved one was back in our care just to reassure them. So I was very fortunate that even though I wanted to do as much as I can, I kind
1: of was a shadow behind Nathan. He Mm. took the lead. I know when my mum passed away, I was really like, I don't know if this is normal or not, but I was really protective about people who didn't love her, her going into their care. I know she's passed away and she can't feel anything, but I was like, that's my mum and you've got her when she's at vulnerable because mm. she, she's literally lifeless. And I remember it was my friend at the time who was one of the people looking after her. Oh, wow. And I remember ringing him in, and changing my mind a million times going, I want this ring on that finger. And then can you put her in this? And can you? I was thinking, upon reflection, I must have been an absolute nightmare. But to you, just want you to be honest here, because it's not a right or wrong answer. When people come to you, is it another dead person or do you ever think about their personality, or do you ever do you talk to them when they're there? You know, mm. what are you like with them?
2: I have to talk to them. I feel oh,
1: wow.
2: if I'm giving someone a shave, if if it's a gentleman, and you have to get up close into his nose hair, and mm-hmm. uh, or if you want to, if you're trimming his ear hair or something, just to make him look really smart. I always say, oh, "Sorry, Mister Smith," or oh. and "I'm just doing this," and I'm not sure if that's me respectful for them or it's a comfort thing for me
0: yeah
2: mm. I, it must I'm be not, very
0: quiet not just...
2: not when you've got the, the radio in the background
0: <laughs> <Yeah>.
1: <laughs> i would have to pitch you just like in a cold room yeah in complete I silence
0: did. it's dark
1: yeah. like... <laughs> but do you know what i quite like the idea of you having like radio one or capital yeah, one or something singing. on the background here you go mr smith do you like this one <laughs> i like that resident dj today yeah, yes, Lee. Yeah. So like... <laughs> do, do you though because i guess you know when you are faced with death every single day do you have to find coping mechanisms for that
2: it's a really deep question to answer when i first started working with death i wasn't emotional i actually was really scared that there was something wrong with me that i wasn't crying with every family mm. but when i got professional counseling just to talk to someone to make sure that i was okay mm. and and they said yeah you're being professional, you've got your mm. professional head on. And they said, there will be a time and you will be emotional. And there was uh, two funerals that were very close to me, not personal friends or family. It was the situation. Um, there was a uh, a gentleman, his wife had passed, very close age to me and my wife. And then there was another funeral um, where unfortunately it was uh, twin babies. And at the time my wife was pregnant uh, with twins. So wow. even talking about that now, I can mm. feel it. Um, mm. And because I could relate so much, oh my God, I was in absolute tears, uh, bawling my mm. eyes out. But knowing I could go through that, I knew or know that I am normal. <laughs>
0: I suppose it's something that people could say to me New is how can you sit and listen to people telling their deepest, most personal and heartbreaking stories and not cry. I know a lot of people, a lot of my friends mm-hmm. say to me, like, How do you not cry every time somebody's talking to you about it? And blah, blah, blah. I don't think it's the fact that you become desensitized to it, but I think you do kind of have like your work head. Mm-hmm. So I have like my podcast head and then like my kind of normal self head. Yeah. Like, it doesn't mean that you're not empathetic. It doesn't mean that your heart isn't breaking when somebody's telling you that story. It's yeah, just, sometimes yeah. you can
1: hurt and not cry as yeah, well. Definitely. Um, yeah, definitely. Another quite, you know, deep question, just off that, sorry, Lee, we like no, to get deep far, on this podcast. far away. That's what we're all about. Since working <laughs> in... tissues ready anyway. <laughs> can you pass them over here, please? Um, since working in the industry, has it made you face your own mortality more? Mm. Do you think about your own life? Is
0: your funeral more? prepared down to the tics? Yeah,
1: <laughs> no like my
2: uh, so i've got everything in place for if i die so i've got the life insurances in, in place in, just to make sure my family's sorted that's mm-hmm. what i think working with death, that's what i've realized is making sure my family's looked after um but working with death every single day it makes me appreciate life so much more and i know that's such a cringy cheesy no, answer nice. true. we love that but, but the things i used to argue about with my wife the silliest stupidest things i couldn't care yeah, less now yeah. i'd go straight over my head and arguments that you or things that you think before you'd get really wound up about i'm like well i can't influence it so why am i
0: mm. why do i
2: care i can have an opinion but i don't need to get emotional about it and you, you know where to put your energy yeah Yeah,
0: 100%. Sometimes I get people messaging that their parent has literally died a few days prior. So they are literally in the middle of the funeral process. Can you kind of talk us through the stages from your point of view of like what people should do as somebody has passed and then how you can support them through organising the funeral and kind kind of boxing all that off and from a financial point of view as well if people don't have as much money as they probably would have liked to have I don't know know how because I mean funerals cost a lot of money don't they so you know what you have in place to support people that don't have much
2: yeah of course um so if someone was to pass if it was at a hospital they will be guided to the bereavement office to speak to them and the bereavement office will support them through the um, initial medical questions that need to be answered and as soon as they've done that or if um if someone's passed away at home or in a care home as soon as that they need to speak to a medical professional uh, to come out to verify that that the deceased has passed as soon as that person has been out to verify they can give us a call and we'll come out to the house or to the care home to bring them back into our care and emma mentioned earlier about being very protective of a mum at home when we come out to someone's house, we always say, if they're comfy in bed, we always say, can we take her or his pillow and, and the sheet just to keep them more comfy? And if they've got a blanket on, do you want the blanket to stay or do you want it to come with? Just those little things, just to make them feel more comfortable and reassured. And we always say, do you want to stay in the room um, while we, we get mum or dad onto the stretcher? Or do you want to go outside? We just try and make them as comfortable as possible. And mm-hmm. um, Once that person is in our care, we talk them through each stage of registering the death. Now with COVID, there's a lot of restrictions that have come into play where you don't go to the registry office anymore, or you don't go to the doctors or the hospital. There's no face-to-face visits. Mm -hmm. At the moment, it's all done electronically. So we talk them through the process of doing the pre-registration form online, informing the doctors if it's a hospital, the hospital will send off the medical paperwork straight to the registry office, and then the registry office will give families a call to go through the registration process. That's the process in Birmingham. It does vary from mm-hmm. city to city. Uh, you might have to phone up the registry office if you're in a, a different city apart from Birmingham. And then from there, we're sent what's called a green form, which is a certificate for the cremation or burial, uh, which is what we need uh, to give to the either the crematorium or the cemetery. And then we we say to the families, whenever you're ready, come in to see us and we'll go through arrangements. When they come in, we'll make them a nice tea and coffee, go through all of the arrangements, what will happen between when they come in through to the day of the funeral. Then we'll go through all the, the details of the day of the funeral from the morning all the way through to when we return the family to whatever address they wish. Mm-hmm. And then we talk them through the process, if if it's going you know, cremation with ashes we'll be bringing their ashes into our care and they can collect them from us and we'll, we give them a call at every single step something happens. We call them just to inform them and just so they know that we're working quietly in the background. Yeah, you
0: know, what's interesting listening to this is that it's really made me aware of how much my dad shielded from me after my mum died because I I was 20. So from all sense and purposes, I could have been as involved probably as I wanted to, but I I I don't even remember about going to the funeral home. I don't remember really? any of that. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I did.
1: I went and saw.
0: Oh, did you? Wow.
1: I went and saw Mum. You mean to see them?
0: Well, yeah, to see them. But also, I didn't even I didn't even contemplate going to see my mum because I didn't even think of that being really a thing.
1: Yeah. I just remember
2: I couldn't
0: see Mum's feet.
2: Weirdly, not seeing the feet on the inside of a coffin, we have a frill that goes around the inside. Now the frill doesn't look tidy if it's tucked behind someone's shoes so we usually lay over the feet or the shoes so just so it looks neater and tidier that's why you might not remember seeing mom's feet
1: well do you know what that's an absolute education 13 years on i finally understand why thanks lee do you
0: do you leave the loved ones in your care dressed the whole time that they're there as
2: soon as they're dressed yeah they stay dressed okay so when someone comes into our care, if they've got pyjamas on, they'll have their pyjamas on, then um, we'll wash them, dress them, mm. place them into either the clothes that the family have brought in or if the family have requested a white gown or a, any mm. coloured gown, get them dressed into the into the, the gown and then they're laid in the coffin and they, they stay like that until the day of the funeral.
1: Lee, I know this is like an intimate question to ask, but right... Just, just help me here because it feeds back into the protectiveness thing. Like, when how do you wash a dead body? Where do you have <laughs> a bath? Like, what do you do? It's basically
2: a flat bath, so it's called a mortuary table, and around the outside of the mortuary table is like a, a drainage area. So, um, we get a cloth hot uh, with water and soap and. Yeah, wash the body and then any excess Mm. water obviously drips into the excess, into the tray and drips out through the drainage hole.
1: And I feel like bodies change when they pass away, Mm. Um, like change shape and stuff. I'm not massively wise on that. I've just seen my mum and Nana die, but I feel like bodies seem to like change shape. Or like, I know, for example, when my mum was poorly with cancer, her whole body went skeletal and her tummy, I think it was the pill she was taking was like really big. Are you completely unfazed? Like, as in, there's a body in front of you. Are you completely unfazed because you've seen all these changes a million times over? The
0: same. If it was a traumatic death, I think yeah, far from an accident yeah. or something like that. Like, how do you respond yeah. to that?
1: Yeah.
2: Um. If it's and it's been a tragic death, I don't. I look at the deceased, and I never look going like, "Ew." I never think like mm. that. I just think, I think more ah oh, like it's more mm. sad thinking oh it's so bad sad that they've passed away that way or if um the body's has changed irregularly so if if it's um through bloating or fluids or anything it's just it's part of our job
0: yeah um, it's your everyday we've got, like we've a, doctor, got a process
2: that we need to to go through to rect- rectify or make
1: it better or Can you still trump? Is it right that you trump when you're (laughs) dead?
2: When you do see... You twitch, don't you? You you can trump a lot.
0: (laughs) Can't you twitch? We've never had twitching.
1: Oh, my Um, God. Thank God I uh, would shit myself (laughs) if your dead body started twitching in front of me. You you
2: might do that. (laughs) You're more likely to do that than twitch.
1: Yeah.
0: So you have to... Oh, my God. It releases because all your muscles relax, don't they?
2: Yes, so do you know when you were saying about their bodies change, when Mm. you've probably never seen or you hardly have seen a relative or a friend lying down asleep, Mm, mm. Uh, you see people either sat up, they'll be relaxed, um, or walking around, you never see someone lying down, so they may look totally different lying down, so someone's got really strong cheekbones, Mm. uh, for um, cheeks from smiling. So much all the time, because the blood isn't pumping uh into those muscles anymore, they're really relaxed, their cheeks might look so different, mm. and you might not you be used
1: to that that explains my nana well did she look quite gaunt uh, mm. i it was I only went to see my nana because my granddad wanted to, and my brothers didn't want to go, mm. and I was like, Do you know what? I owe it to granddad, he has to go with somebody, but she just it was. Her cheeks, yeah, were just so gone, and Nana had like quite chewy cheeks for a lot of her life. And yeah. and um, I don't know. I'm, I'm sure that they, the people, had tried to do their best, but her smile just looked really big, like sewn together. But I imagine that that was to try and hide something else. So I fully mm. understood it, but I was like, Nana,
0: that's mm. not you. <laughs> they, do, they do look completely different. Yeah, don't they?
1: but you know what? I also think Lee, I admire your honesty on all yeah. that because I know. I've been petrified going, oh, my God, one day I'm going to die and people are going to see me bollocko on a slab and have to wipe me. And I have felt sorry for people like you in advance, hopefully a long time in advance. And I've wanted to know, am I going to shit myself? Will I trump? Will I wet myself? I genuinely... I feel like these are the things people actually want to know, but no one, A, dares ask, B, probably doesn't have a not funeral direction. Yeah. Like- and also, hats off to you for being so honest mm. about that, Lee, because we need to know this kind of stuff, because also it adds a bit of humor to it, you know, <laughs> <laughs> but it, doesn't it, it? The thing is, it's does. not a
2: bad thing. It's natural, it, it happens. It's mm. it, it happens a, a lot, it's just not mm. talked about um and we find in previous generation death was not talked about mm. and it makes it so much harder because we don't talk about it if we talked about it more openly uh, which we are now which i'm so happy about
0: mm.
2: it just makes bereavement easier like the i'll take the irish for instance they celebrate death amazingly and yes they grieve but they grieve together and mm. they speak about it. It's openly open and it's, yeah. The, my family, when my, when my granddad passed, my nan was in such, such a horrible place and she went through uh, bereavement counselling and if she hadn't have gone to that bereavement counselling, I don't think she would still be here now. Mm. And I raise money for the company that did the counselling, the charity, and I do it every year just because I'm so grateful. But it's because we don't talk about it, and my nan still won't talk about her uh, death now. If I do, if I try and mention it, she's like, "Oh no, no, no! I don't want to
1: talk about it." Mm-hmm. And it's what just What did so your family sad. all say then when you became a funeral director? Um, I don't think they believe
2: me to start
0: with. <laughs> <laughs> because hey, I, I, I,
2: yeah, <laughs> I, I was in. Uh lived in Birmingham, uh, moved up to Leeds, was at university, then started my career up there, met my wife up there, so I never really kept my family up to date with random stuff that was going on. Then
0: mm.
2: when it actually all become reality, I said, oh, by the way, guys, um, open up a funeral home. <laughs> oh,
1: what? what? <laughs> yeah. Post your free job on linkedin.com/slash people today.
0: Would your family choose your funeral home if they died? For example, your grandma?
2: My family members have chosen me. So we've well, done, yeah, we've done on that. Funerals.
1: Working in that industry, Lee, do you feel more reassured about the fact that when your loved ones, heaven forbid, do pass, do you feel more reassured about what happens and the way they're going to be looked after?
2: Yeah i'd only want them to come to me if mm. if anyone if i had to do anything and i'd want to do everything
0: oh, I'd just just
2: have that honor to be able to do it for
1: them um oh. yeah i oh. never really thought about it but yeah mm. yeah and and that in you know in many ways is a beautiful thing yeah that, it is. you know in in
0: it's something a lot of cultures do isn't it yeah. in a lot of different cultures they yeah. prepare yeah. their family members yeah. bodies themselves yeah. don't they and Not sure. I'm not
1: sure I could do that. I think, I think. Takes a special kind of person. Yeah, you are a special kind of
2: person, (laughs) (laughs) Um, When I've got my professional head on. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Something I want to ask you, Lee, is how have you found the past year working through COVID and having to change the way that you do things so quickly and so dramatically and also not being able to give those families the support that you would usually have been able to give them?
2: Oh, it genuinely has been horrible, mm. really, really horrible. Uh, so when we opened Lily's, me and Nathan said, when families come into us, we'll sit down and say, how can we celebrate Mom's life?
0: Mm. What c-
2: can we do for Dad's funeral to make it special? And when the restrictions came in, rather than saying that we were sitting down with families and saying, due to restrictions, you can only have six people attend Mom's funeral because of restrictions you can't sit next to your loved one to console them it's mm. it was horrible really hard it was yeah mm. it was really really difficult and to be fair we only we're night we're not out of the restrictions yet mm-hmm. um fully um the light is at the end of the tunnel but there was there was one family which sums up uh how bad it was and fig- I know we we started this with a really nice hot, light hearted jokeness and mm. I'm sorry for bringing the uh, no uh, no the the down. this is what it's, for. What
1: it's for yeah.
2: Um, but this so this family um, uh, she, lady had come in to me, and her husband had uh, was in a care home, and because of the restrictions, she hadn't been able to see him, and I think it was for six weeks she hadn't hadn't oh. seen him. Um, he was, t- was taken really ill, and they wouldn't. I think he um he was COVID positive. They wouldn't take him or couldn't didn't take him in time to the hospital. But the care home phoned up and said, We don't think he's gonna make it through the night. Do you wanna come and see him? But you can only look like see him through the window. Oh. So they're outside the window of the care home, just watching someone yeah. pass away. Mm. Um and because they were COVID positive, uh, when they came into our care, we couldn't have an open coffin. So we had to have a closed coffin, so
0: she, she this this
2: lady has, hasn't had that closure of seeing them. Um, She asked and she said, is there any chance she can take, uh, I can have his wedding ring back? And one of the rules to stop the spread was that we can't, any COVID positive disease, I oh, took it upon head. I took it upon myself, um, fully PPE'd up and everything, and disinfected the room. And I took the rings off, disinfected them, um, oh. and then I said, "I'm going to keep them uh, for I think it was 70 for two hours at the time." Like I said, um, "And then you can have them back just in case."
0: Oh, bless so you. So I
2: did that, and when she saw those rings, that was like her kind of going, "Oh." he's he has gone mm. and to have so someone that's spent I think it was like 50 years of a life with him to not have that closure at the end Oh, it's, it's oh, it heart. was horrific absolutely that was one of the hardest days um and there were other stories um that families have been through similar to that uh throughout the whole whole of COVID it's just yeah, it's, it's not been nice
0: we had Helen on the podcast whose dad, whose dad died of COVID at the very start of the the pandemic, and you know, a similar experience. They couldn't have an, an open casket. They couldn't see him. He it was we went we in lockdown when he went into a coma. So the last thing he knew was normal life, and then and then they weren't allowed to see him after that, and he died a few weeks later. And I just think for people like you during the past year, you know, we think about the grievers and people have lost somebody, but for people like you, who's job it is every day is to try and make that process a little bit easier for the people left behind I can imagine it's been really difficult trying yeah, it, to offer that service and trying to do it in a personal way and support them
2: yeah it, it it has been really difficult but but then the families are in they've just lost a loved one they're worse yeah. than us so it has been bad but I never moan about it I'm in the grand scheme of things, we were so lucky, fortunate to be able to have a job to go to through all this. A lot of people out there lost jobs and were in financial difficulty. So yeah, we we're just glad that we could help.
1: Were you ever worried about your own well-being this last year? with have had, with COVID. We haven't had time to. <laughs> <laughs> no, but genuinely Lee, because a lot of people will have not even thought about the fact that funeral directors, you're the, if you're the place where that, you know that person with Covid has gone how do you feel in that position? The, every deceased that came into our care that was Covid
2: positive I, I was never scared once and I mm. haven't been that might be down to my me blindly being a bit naive mm-hmm. um I may, may yeah I might, might be a bit sh- sh- stupid thinking I'd survive anything sort of thing I'm indestructible mm. but um, yeah, no, never never yeah, never thought. I think myself. that's a
0: good thing though, because I think it's nice knowing that even the people that died from COVID, people weren't scared to be around yeah. them in death.
1: Yeah. That they were treated with the same mm. level of care and respect as the other yeah. people. Have you seen a r oh, this sounds really clinical. Have you seen a rise in demand this last year? I oh, I get asked this question a lot, and it's really
2: difficult for us because we're five and a half years old now as a company. We've been growing year on year um, um, with word of mouth and everything. So it's really difficult to say how busy we have been. But I can look at through the waves. For the, through the first wave, um, we our busiest month, uh, we conducted 42 funerals. And then this wave, um, the busiest month, we conducted 40. On average, before COVID started, we were doing about twenty to twenty five funerals. That is a hundred
0: so, percent increase nearly, isn't it? Wow. Yeah. So Either that, you're that, very that good thing. at your job at marketing
1: or, <laughs> yeah. or COVID. It's been a hell of a year. To, yeah. <laughs> um, do, um how much will I pay for a funeral? On average, Lee? How much do you, because that's I just i know i know i know kat asked you but if you were putting a figure on an average funeral cost what we oh saying? sorry you
2: did mention about finances i do apologize so when we first opened we had like this big long shopping list basically of what do you want and it was just kind of tick it all off and then add it all up but what we found was that families have two types of services they either have a simple funeral service which is um the hearse and the coffin arrive at the crematorium and everyone meets you there, and then they go back uh, to the wake themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, and So we put that p- package together, or they have the hearse, a limousine, um, a coffin, order of services, flowers for the top of uh, the coffin as well. Um, and then if the ashes are coming back into our care, they'll have a scatter tube or ashes urn, or if it's a burial, they'll have a grave marker. So we put that package together as well and call it the traditional funeral package. Basically, so families can go, oh, that or that, but they mm-hmm. can chop and change if they want to add things on, take things off. Um, so for our simple funeral package, we charge 1495 Uh The traditional, we charge 2095 And then the crematorium costs or the burial costs are on top. So mm-hmm. our local crematorium, it's about 9 – we've got three, so the average is about £900, mm-hmm. um, doctor's fees and minister's fees. Uh, so 282 so you're looking at uh, 1182 on top of whichever package you choose so around about 2700 for the for a basic funeral what
1: happens if people can't afford a funeral at all I, i don't know what happens then
2: so if if they really can't afford a funeral then they can put it to social services and social services Will pay for a funeral, but their family has to show that there's yeah. no one that can. Uh, well, there's no, there's no next of kin that will, is willing to pay.
1: Or, or it's nice to know from. that there's a there's, there is that backup if you're really struggling to do that. Yeah, because that would yeah. be really
0: stressful for people with no money.
1: Yeah, that's what I was thinking. If you've if you've got no money, if, do you know what you might be completely unprepared for it? Because mm. if you're well, at any time in your life, you might not be expecting that someone close to you is going to mm. pass away, or you might have just had to buy a house, or you might have you know, put out a huge sum of money and not have the yeah. money available. So it's yeah. good to know that there are options for those people yeah. because the last thing you want when you are grieving the loss of a loved one is the financial worry on top of that, isn't it?
2: For social services, it is really strict cri- criteria mm. to, to get that, like the full amount paid for. And then it is a very small standard um, funeral and it's, yeah. at, it's at a time and day at the discretion of the funeral director that has got the contract with social services and um, to do that if you are a normal person and you're on benefits you can get you can um, apply to the DWP for a grant and they give you about 700 pounds or 750 pounds towards the funeral director's fees and then they'll pay for the third party fees which are oh. either the cremation or burial fees as well mm. so oh. that's you, it usually works out about 14 or 1500 pounds towards a cremation Makes me feel yeah. very
0: privileged knowing that yeah. I didn't know the answer
1: to that question. Yeah, I completely, completely agree. Is. Um, Lee, is there anything else that you would like anyone to know that you know, maybe That's a myth that you'd like to bust, or, a myth, yeah. or yeah,
2: the coffins aren't reused, the handles aren't taken off. Thank God for that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, do you know it, it's really difficult because I know everything that goes on. Mm. If someone says, "Oh, does this happen?" I think I think, well, why would you think that? But that's because I know it. But because mm. if people that aren't obviously in the industry every single day, they don't know. So it it might be actually me to ref- to turn that back on you two and say, is there anything that you've heard of or
1: maybe thought mm. of? I just have a general question because I think I want to be cremated. (laughs) Yeah, I know I don't ever get to speak to funeral directors, (laughs) so not not an everyday thing. Yeah, so I'm really I'm sorry for asking a lot of questions, but also I've spent 13 years wanting to know the answers to these, Lee. So it's a lot of built up over time. If I get cremated, does every part of me go in that... Like, does the coffin go in? Oh yeah when when the curtain when the curtain closes, do you go straight into the furnace, or what happens there? So
2: with that's a very good question <laughs> um
1: so when you uh so
2: uh, when the curtains close the usually within a, a crematorium there is a holding room behind the service chapel the coffin is taken through into the holding room and then the coffin at stays as is with the name plate uh with the handles everything the coffin is not opened nor uh nor changed in any way if um there, there's a request for the flowers to stay on top of the coffin. They will stay on top of the coffin. If there's not, then they'll go to the flower garden outside. But then, once the cremator is ready, the doors will open and the coffin is charged in. Charged in?
1: Like, do they just, run with just pushed
0: it?
1: Pushed in. <laughs> yeah. We
0: here
1: we go.
2: <laughs> <laughs> it's called yeah. So the uh, the terminology there, Lee. Yeah, the <laughs> terminology. A <little> bit off. <laughs> Yeah, I just had
1: it's, visions because me Nana got cremated. I'm like, "Evo, <laughs> yeah. come on, Eileen!" leave <laughs> <It's laughs> you <know>? it, <laughs> "I
0: had this vision. I, I remember vividly the curtains closing uh, at Mum's crema- the crematorium, and you have this impression that suddenly it just goes up." And
1: <laughs> yeah, I did. <laughs> I did. That you is do. exactly. I was yeah. like, when when yeah, when Nana went through the curtain, I was like. Beyond there, there's just loads of flames. Yeah. And I just imagined a hair getting burnt so, and stuff. That's all I could... Do, yeah. do, does it happen on the same day? De- like, do you go, yeah. oh, behind the curtain, here I am, next stage, push. Is it like right there or is it mm-hmm. another place? Does the body get driven somewhere to be cremated?
2: No, so all of our local crematoriums, the cremations happen the same day. And is, it I one, think
1: that... is it one body at a time?
2: Yeah, but it's one body at a time. And there's mm. usually multiple cremators. So depending oh, oh, on how busy the day is, they'll either heat up both cremators and then wow. if they're not so busy, they'll just heat up heat up the one and use the one.
0: Wow.
1: You've got to have real strength of character, I think, to be the charger, to be the yeah. person pushing the body into that, knowing that that is the closing stages, that of on the other side, yeah. they are going to be their ashes. I, I'm sure, like you say, it's their job and you get used to it, but for me, the... Finalness of that is incomprehensible.
2: Yeah. yeah, it is a very final. I will say as well, if, with people listening to this, if they are really intrigued to know what happens, most local crematoriums will do a tour.
1: Wow. Oh really?
2: Yeah, they'll talk. They'll show. They'll walk you through. Uh, well, they should do a tour anyway. Um, they'll walk you through uh, everything and, and show you everything. And if you wish, you can even look through. Um, the little like porthole to uh to see someone that's being cremated.
1: Wow! Wow! What your loved one? You mean? Well, no,
0: uh, like if you're on a tour.
1: So, it, it, well, you just see love. a random person going in. like, do you mean? Yeah if that's what's happening. They wouldn't show it
2: going in but they'd show that they, you can see someone being someone that's being cremated.
1: And then at the other side do they have like a big spade to get them out or what do they get the ashes out with? A,
2: a big rake.
1: Yeah. Wow. So they just it's, it's, them it's
2: out. a, a purpose built rake. Yeah. So at the end of a cremation um the the every single bit that's in that uh cremator is raked uh into um like a, a holding um like canister for it to cool down once it's cooled down it then goes to the cremulator which grinds the ash down into finer small particles and because if uh, a loved one has had a metal knee metal hip or pins or anything within their body uh, a magnet is then put wow. into the ashes to retrieve the metal out wow
1: and then the, why that, does that... that come out in a lump or yeah, something it, looks like it, it won't, burn, it won't it? burn you mean no Not yeah sure. it,
2: yeah it, uh, the, Metal that's in in like hips and stuff that doesn't melt down because it's so well engineered. Um, but like rings and stuff that will me- either discolor or there'll be maybe pins in the body, yeah, they'll they could melt. So, yeah, so
1: a, a ring if my nana had a ring on that will have been made up part of her ashes, then
2: it will it have won't... been it'll, it'll be if, so once the ashes are all raked out and the magnet will take out the ring and then all of the metals that were in the ashes then get uh sent to a recycle center
1: that's genuinely fascinating i can Thank after you. this
0: conversation if i live locally i would 100% go to
1: your yeah can we come and have a tour later <laughs> i'm being serious <laughs>
2: to be honest if you wanted you're more than welcome to
1: I find, uh, uh, can we find it, I would, I'd, yeah. I have yeah. Late. can we, can we do this please? I know you're very busy and you've got more serious things to be getting on with than entertaining me and cats. But I would love to have a tour. I would genuinely love to see it almost for a bit of closure because I never knew what happened to Nana mm. behind the curtain. I've never, even your description is good, but I can't picture exactly what it looks like. And I think it would be quite reassuring to see it
2: yeah of course yeah anyone's more than welcome and as well if when someone's choosing um a funeral to look after the loved one if you are unsure ask to see behind the scenes because everyone should be open and honest about the facilities that they've got and the care that they give so if any families are really scared of letting go of their loved one do as much ask as many questions to make yourself feel comfortable because it's not a nice time and that time's gotta be made to go as smoothly and feel as most as comfortable as possible.
0: See so if somebody died now at home, because I have no idea at home really who the Hewley funeral directors are if no who did my mum's funeral. I'd be looking through oh I said looking through the yellow pages. Yellow pages. I've got a phone these days. <laughs> about, I'd be on Google 1992. Local, 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 <laughs> <though? laughs> <laughs> local funeral director. you yeah. me. Like it's such a weird
1: such a weird I thing. Think, I
0: think now I will actually make an active effort to maybe do a bit of local research.
1: Yeah, I think the only reason I know who that. they are is because of mum and nana dying mm. but yeah i think that is you know thank you for the invite lee what we'll do is we'll have a dead parent club day out we'll invite all our listeners <laughs> and we'll all come to your funeral home if that's all right for us all Yeah. Tall, didn't <laughs> I'll get the
2: sandwiches in and the teas and coffees.
1: We can plan off Thank you. Yes.
0: Amazing. (laughs) Thank
1: you so much. Yeah,
0: I've I've thoroughly enjoyed this. Do
1: you know what? What a human being you are, Lee. I don't know if anybody ever says this to you, but
0: honestly, you are a 10 out of 10 human for doing doing your job and for being so humble and so lovely
1: about it. Yeah, you are one of life's good ones. Thank you so much. (laughs) I really mean it. I really mean it. Thank you. I really (laughs)
2: struggle with compliments, so I'll say thank you.
0: <laughs> so thank you everybody this week for joining us on the dead parent club podcast
1: yeah remember you can reach out if you want to talk to us if you've got any suggestions or questions on areas that you want us to cover in the future
0: you can drop us an email at hello at deadparentclub.co.uk or find us on instagram at dead parent club podcast on twitter at dpc podcast and on facebook at dead parent
1: club thanks for listening we'll see you next week see you next week bye, bye.